welcome to the Small Caps Podcast, where we discuss news and information related to ASX-listed companies and financial markets, keeping investors informed. Note that the content in this podcast is not financial or investment advice, and be sure to head over to smallcaps.com.au to get the latest market news. Now, without further delay, here's today's podcast. Welcome back to Small Caps, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Kerry Stevenson, and today I'm bringing you Leslie Chong. She is the CEO and Managing Director of Imugene. The ASX code is IMU. Now, Imugene might sound a little bit from the from the name of the company is they're developing immunotherapy cancer treatments, and they've got quite a bit in the stable at the moment. And I know Leslie Leslie joined the company in 2015, but her passion for what she's doing in this sector is palpable. You'll see it when we start chatting. Leslie, great to see you. Thanks for so much for joining me on Small Caps today. Thank you so much for having me, Carrie. It's lovely to speak with you. Well, this is the first time you and I have chatted. It is over Zoom. So why don't you give our audience a brief overview of who are Imogene, and then we'll get into the detail. Absolutely. So Imogene is a biotech company listed on the ASX. Our ticker is IMU. We've been around for a while. Paul Hopper started the company in 2013. I joined, as you said, in 2015. And uh, I'm, I've just uh, passed my seven-year anniversary. And um, it is squarely in the immunotherapies for cancer. So we are addressing many of the needs of cancer therapeutics, and as you say, we have um, a a a lot in our pipeline. We have five assets already in the clinic producing data. We're we're actually in patients, um, and I'm really proud to say some of our patients are going on almost nearly three years um, on some of our therapies. And a few of them are producing some incredibly promising signals. Okay, I'm going to get into those assets in a moment. But one of the things I just wanted to find out, you do have quite a long scientific background. What attracted you to Imogene as a company? Well, I love, love the fact that Imogene was in a therapeutic where Lots of people haven't really been in. Um, safety mattered here. Uh, we have a low toxicity across all our platform products. We also have a means of producing or manufacturing these products at a low price. And so hopefully that will aid in the future in the in the cancer landscape so that it's not it's not so burdensome on a cancer patients to pay for these products, nor you know, get it on the PBS or insurance. And things like that. So I, I really thought about this company in that it was producing early signs when I joined of efficacy, incredible science, and with low toxicity, which lends itself to many, many different combination and also the attractiveness to big pharma because we can go into combination with existing uh, is existing marketed products. All right. Well, let's let's pull it apart a little bit, knowing full well that none of us out here, you're the scientist, so don't don't get too scientific on us, but I really want to find out about the assets and and why these particular assets are so important to Imogene at the moment. So where do we start, Leslie? Do we start with 
uh, CF33 or do you want to start with another one? Well, so um, yes, so I'm quite excited about our oncolytic viral therapies. We acquired these initial um, acquisition in 2019, and we were able to put this into patients um, as fast as a year and a half later. So this is just, you know, incredible rapid speed in that you take something preclinical and then into patients. And so we already have, um, we already have check back which is our CF33, it's got a PDL one and all you need to know about that is that it inhibits a certain sector of your immunotherapy so that your immune system actually sees this disease. And so that's in triple negative breast cancer and it's called CheckBack. We have the parental virus, which is the most powerful virus that we call vaccinia. And it has what's called a human sodium iodine symporter and it's just simply tagged where the virus goes in the body. So you can actually see it in a scan that it's replicating, it's actually attacking the tumor cells. And we're already at cohort three in the monotherapy. We're gonna start our combination with pembrolizumab here soon. Um, it's an exciting and rapidly enrolling and, and all the investigators and the oncologists are quite excited about this because of the low safety profile, you know, really high safety profile, low toxicity and the, and the readiness of combination. So they're offering these to patients. So we're really excited about that. The, Can I just stop um, you for a moment, Leslie, and just say with that vaccinia, is that is that purely for breast cancer or is that all cancers? Is it just explain where it sits? So our oncolytic virus has an abhorrent hate for any malignant cell. So if you have solid tumor, mm -hmm it will infect it and replicate only in solid tumors. That's the beauty of this product, that it does, it's agnostic to the type of cancer. So you could treat it with breast cancer and that's why it is interesting in the triple negative breast cancer space because triple negative, you're negative for a lot of the signals. They don't know where it comes from. So this product is being willing to attack any solid tumors triple negative cells, what have you, that's the beauty of our CF33, our oncolytic virus. And now the <clears throat> idea here is that with our third sort of platform that we call Oncarlytics, because it infects only solid tumors and it shuttles up a signal such, such as HNS, like I told you about the tagging, in oncarlytics, it actually expresses or upregulates or places a tag on the solid tumors called CD19. That's a cluster differentiated 19. You don't need to know that, but there are CD19 ther therapies out there like CAR-Ts that actually obliterate hematologic diseases. So these CAR-T therapeutics are causing patients to respond in such a way that they have a 60 to 90% curative rate or response rate. Now that's never been seen in solid tumors. Solid tumors, you can see something like 20 to 40% response rates. We are trying to put that in all levels of solid tumors where it's not ever been seen before. By oncarlytis only affecting solid tumors, 
shuttling up the CD19 flags on the surface of your solid tumor, then adding a CD19-directed therapeutics, you can understand that that could obliterate these untouchable solid tumors. Wow. So this is an incredible time for imaging that we're just about this year, we're going to put this in patients. This does not exist um, in the cancer landscape currently. This is going to be the first in class with such a line of therapy where we can now treat wow. solid tumors that don't have any markers like triple negative, like certain kinds of all solid tumors have a mutation. Even if you don't have a particular signaling or mutation, this will just simply go in and upregulate the CD19 on your solid tumor. How do you, is anyone else doing anything close to what you're doing in this particular sphere? And how do you protect your IP? So we have IP, we've secured IP. We have composition of matter. Uh, we have IP going out to 2038 on most of our products. Okay. Uh, because at the end of the day, this is what you have and you want to secure that. So we've done that. Uh, there are others that are doing this, um, but I believe we're, uh, we're, we've, we've got incredibly experienced um, world-leading people working on this, on my team, and we are passionate about being the first uh, in patients. So we're working quite diligently to get that done. And when do you think that will happen? 2023. Oh, this year? Yes. Okay, so so it's it's. Would you look at that as quite a milestone for Imugene, getting it into the patients and then moving it on from there? Oh, absolutely! Such a such a revolutionary, game changing product in this space. Uh, who hasn't been touched by someone you love or yourself, you know, with cancer? And unfortunately, a lot of times they either don't know what that mutation is why it's caused, or they get therapies, chemo, radiation, yeah. and it leads to relapse and, you know, sometimes remission, you hope for remission. I, I, I'm i really excited about this product because I think it can treat various different solid tumors that haven't been able to find a treatment before. Okay, so now I'm curious, um, what's the timeline? Because these things can take quite a while to go through that all the clinical trials, et cetera. Because well, so I'm thinking in my head, I'm being very, um, uh, what's the word, personal here, but not me, but friends that are going through some tough times when it, it can take an awfully long time to get it out into the general market. I, Carrie, like you, I am quite eager to provide good medicine to patients in need. That's the whole mission of imaging. And one of the things that I've seen now is that the regulatory authorities are finally seeing that some things can be moved faster um, across the regulatory path than others because of the level of efficacy that they've seen, the level of safety that they've seen. So if I've seen uh, Keytruda, for instance, only took seven years to get approval. Normally, they literally have crunched down 15 years into seven years. And that's quite rapid. And even during that time of uh, clinical trial, there were a lot of patients being treated. Um, so I'm hoping to offer this revolutionary product to the patients as soon as we can. 
and move it through the regulatory path so that more people can get access. So I guess, again, looking at it, do you think you've gone through the tough, the hard work, like if you know what I mean, because there's a lot of process that you've got to go through, you know it works, you're going into clinical trials. So what I'm saying to you is, is the pathway clear now to take you through to the end point, if you like? Well, it's never really clear because there's always stumbling blocks. Um, There might be competition that comes into play. There could be war. (laughs) You know, we had some sites in Eastern Europe that was uh, affected by um, recent global crisis. So COVID for that matter. Um, So there are, there are, uh, well, we have an impetus to move it forward. Uh, we've gone through the preclinical round, and yes, it's shown great amount of efficacy and safety, and we want to pull it through the regulatory process and then put it in the patient, because the regulation has to to feel that this product is safe before we go into patients. And so once we're in patients, it's a, it's a learning process. Some solid tumors may be much more favorable for our oncarolytics than others. So it's sort of finding that niche so that we can move it through the regulatory and registrational path faster than others. So we may have safety and efficacy in one disease, but there may be too many things already approved, and that's a huge regulatory hurdle. It's um, it's a little bit of a stumbling block because sometimes even not-so-great drugs get approved in that space, but then you have to go head-to-head compare, you know, comparison in that wow. space. Right. So you're looking at so what we need to be, what we're doing uh, as very smart developers is to look at a solid tumor space that we think we can work best in, and hopefully a niche, and then get it through the registrational path. I'm pretty confident that we will get there. Just a matter of getting our products in the into the clinic and into the patients. Um, we said you said at the beginning that the, you have five assets. We've only really covered one at the moment. Um, let's go through some of the other ones. I mean, because is most of your focus on this particular product at the moment, given where you're going with it, or no, no, because because we have three platforms. One that I just talked about on Carlytics, which has that CD19, mm-hmm. and then we have the Vaccinia product with Checkback and Vaccinia coming off of the CF33 backbone, our oncolytic viral therapy. Our most advanced in the clinic is Hervax, which is a cancer vaccine. It makes your B cells produce uh, the antibodies against a certain disease, meaning it makes your body into a cancer drug factory. And there's a, a cancer lot of fighting. Fa- you mean a cancer fighting factory or cancer drug factory? Absolutely, yes, yes. Antibody producing factory. So these antibodies actually go after a particular cancer type. And in this case, it's HER2. So we've got Hervax, which is our most advanced. We've got patients um, that we've completed a phase two uh, with with really um, great great outcome uh, for OS. And then we have a combination. We have two phase two studies where we're going into the late disease sector as well as the early disease sector for Hervax. And then we have PD-1-Vax that is in lung cancer. And so that is just about to be um, in a combination. We have a lung cancer that has had complete response, meaning no cancer growth in their bodies for over two years now. 
So they're walking around. I hope to meet this patient because I just want to shake his hand and just, just, you know, it's wonderful. Um, And then we're, so that's in lung cancer. All of our Hervax product is in gastric cancer. So we had front line, we had early lines, and then we have late lines. The the latter um, phase two studies are in combination with already approved products. Oh, that's in, that's important. So, okay, so it is Hervax, would you say that Hervax, which is a vaccine, is the most advanced out of all your products? It is in terms of of having um, overall survival data over phase, in, in a phase two. Okay, so what's the next steps for Hervax? Uh, because I guess you would then link with Big Pharma to take it to the next steps because you're really developer and then in order to get the distribution, you'd have to partner, would you? I would think so, yes, given that pharmaceutical companies have the resources and uh, staff and um, arguably the capital to move something forward. So with Hervax, are you? Um, what are the next steps for Hervax? So Hervax is in two phase two studies. So we're currently developing that in combination. Um, as you know, I myself is a, is a large shareholder in imaging. And so I'm, you know, at my job, uh, is my day job is really to look out for shareholders best interests. And so we're working towards the, uh, to provide shareholders the best outcome. And so that's all I can say for now. Ah, okay. She's going to have to come back, ladies and gentlemen, tell us when there's maybe some more news, but I understand, but but there are things happening in the background. You just can't talk about it right now. And you're a shareholder. Let's talk about that for a moment, if you wouldn't mind. Um, the share price, obviously, when you joined back in, I think, 2015, um, the share price was less than a cent. So I commend you on what you've done. But the share price has been trending lower recently. And we all know Poor old biotech sector, ladies and gentlemen. It's been smashed left, right, center, and all over the place. But I guess people will want to know, have you got enough funding? What's been dragging the share price down? And what do you think, uh, it's not financial advice, ladies and gentlemen, but what do you think is going to turn things around? Do you think 2023 biotech is going to come back into favor? Biotech is one of the most important sectors. We're all aging. We need medicine. Uh, we are not able to fight some sort of cancer by ourselves. And so I think it's going to come in, come in favor uh, when the world market gets better. Keep my head down and I focus on my products. Right. Developing our products, producing that data at the end of the day. I think we've got some significant, significant pipeline items that we need to put in patients. Um, I want to provide meaningful products for for patients. And so this is what I'm focused on. We have, we're cashed up quite nicely. We have um, roughly about 160 million in the bank. And um, so that gives us a runway, um, a clear runway to see all of our products through. We've, I've hired world-class experienced you know, cancer drug developers into the company who are nimble, who are really smart, and they've done this before, which is so nice that you can actually think about 
ways of developing our products faster and more meaningfully in the product. They come from pharma, they come from biotech, so they have that relationship. So um, we're a company that's very focused on developing our product and producing data for, for not only for the patients, but for our shareholders, because I think that's what's going to get us noticed. That's what's going to improve share price is developing our products. So Leslie, I'm talking to you now. It's um, coming up to March 23. Can't believe it. It's crazy. Um, what are the milestones that people should be See what you know. What are you looking to achieve? I guess in twenty three. Well, twenty twenty three is very different from when I joined in twenty fifteen. We had one asset, and I was quite focused on putting that into the clinic. Now we have five assets already in the clinic. Um, I'm quite excited about Oncarlytics. I think that that's going to be revolutionary and a paradigm shift in how we can treat solid tumors. So I'm anxious to get that into the clinic, and I think the whole world is actually watching us. Uh, we've got, you know, further um, data to be read out with some of our B cell, and then also um, lots of different publishing and conference uh, presentation with our revolutionary oncolytic virus um, CF33, with our triple negative breast cancer space, mm. as well as our vaccinia, which is treating multiple solid tumors, and that's just going to go into the combination. So, to me, we are busier than we've ever been. Our fundamentals have increased. Our foundation is solid. So I'm quite excited about the 2023. Um, I was able to uh, articulate some of this at JP Morgan presentation. I think we're one of the only, well, one of the few ASX listed companies to be invited. So it was a privilege and an honor. Um, and so I think the U.S. is watching, the oncologists watching, and obviously the shareholders. So there's a lot of momentum within the company to really move us into the right direction in 2023. Now, I hope the world is ready. You know, um, I just, the macro, the geoclimate of what's happening, um, that's really suppressing a lot of the speculative markets like biotech out there. We don't know what's going to happen to that, but I know I'm secure in what we're doing here at Imaging and the people that I've hired, a world-class, experienced biotech uh, leaders who are, who are proven clinical developers. So we are thrilled at the direction we're going with. We talk to our oncologists all the time and our partners and our inventors. Um, yeah, we're, we're ready for whatever 2023 has to show us, but we're heads down working. Okay. Well, we're running out of time, Leslie. So I'm going to ask you this. That's why I like to wrap it all up with a bow, if you like. Lots going on, lots happening in 2023 for Imogene. Give me three reasons why people should be sitting up and taking notice of you right now oh so uh compelling science for sure okay we've got a world-class team developing our products and they're all proven leaders imaging has been a proven leader in this space and we compare to any uh u.s biotech out there so i'm proud of uh what we've been able to accomplish and as really short amount of time, in the last two or three years, we've become this very uh, prolific biotech company. Well, plenty of news to come, Leslie, and there's some exciting times ahead for everybody in this space. And, and I commend you on your passion. 
your passion for not only doing what you're doing with Imogene, but I know that you're very passionate about um, helping the world get through some of these challenges, especially with the, uh, the the cancers that are out there. So my my fingers are crossed that things happen as fast as you say that they potentially could. Come back and have a chat to us when you've got some more news. But it's been really, really interesting and really great to chat to you today. So thanks for joining me on Small Caps. Thank you, Kerry.